And here we go, the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. My name is Eddie Cohn, the host, creator, producer of The Spiritual Spiral. Today I welcome yoga teacher, model, Stevie Findor to the show. Great conversation about growing up in the modeling world, some of the anxiety and insecurity that that, of course, can create. We talk about social media. We talk about Aloe Yoga. She teaches over at Aloe in Beverly Hills. <laughs> and ironically, Leo, this is that's just too much. Oh, my God. Leo, one of my cats, who you can obviously hear right now, he actually quietly sat in the studio the entire time while Stevie was here. And now he's acting like a big baby and is whining and complaining. He's probably upset that Stevie's not here right now and it's just me. So he's like, what the hell's going on here? Bring Stevie back. So before the conversation, just a few thoughts. You know, the downward facing spiritual spiral evolved from my frustration, my curiosity about our culture obsessively staring at their phones. And I even thought about this idea of sharing. We are constantly sharing. And I am going to record a podcast about that in the next couple of days. Why are we sharing all the time? And what is going into one's decision-making in their brain where they think, huh, I'm going to share this part of my life with all of my followers. Okay, Leo, you need to stop. No, stop it. Leo, get out of here. Go. What makes people... Sorry, I'm getting distracted here by my cat. I guess it's this is probably worse than being distracted by my cell phone. So this is the worst intro of all time. I was just thinking about this idea of sharing. Why are we constantly sharing? One may not think that's a big deal, but I get the sense that we're sharing to look for validation. We think our life is much more important than it really is. We're trying to find value. We're trying to mask possibly our insecurities. And the easiest way to sort of quote unquote fix all of that is to constantly share our lives with people. And this whole idea of privacy, where, where did privacy go? Privacy is gone. And ironically, you know, people complain about Facebook and Instagram and all these companies taking our privacy away. Well, here we are posting nonstop about where we're having dinner, where we're going to get a massage and it's sort of this incessant, insatiable cycle where people can't stop talking about themselves. So I wanted to create a podcast where I not only talk about it, but I still believe the clearest way to get to one's genuine self takes time. You don't know somebody based on one of their posts on Instagram, 10, 100 of their posts. You get to know somebody over time, through experience, sharing experiences together, and by having face-to-face conversations. There's no context anymore. So this show is about trying, although I don't think I'm going to be successful because everybody's staring at their phones and people would rather just send DMs and texts all day. This show is about trying to bring awareness to tech and how damaging it can be and bring the art of conversation back into our lives. Really thankful that Stevie took the time to talk to me. Just a little update, because when I talked to Stevie, my tooth start was starting to kill that day. And I'm terrified I'm going to the dentist. So my tooth started bothering me that day. 
So I go to the dentist the next day. And the irony here is, is that Stevie's sort of had like all these tooth issues in the past. So I feel as though somehow I picked up some of these tooth issues while she was here. No, I'm not blaming Stevie, I promise. But it was just sort of funny that she comes to the studio and I was feeling a lot of anxiety about my tooth. So we talked about it and she actually helped me out a lot. But anyway, so I go to the dentist the next day. He does all these x-rays and, and does some, you know, doesn't see anything. So he's like, you know, maybe you, because I grind my teeth at night. He's thinking, you know, maybe you grind, you grind your teeth too much that night. It just caused a little bit of nerve sensitivity and let's just deal with it in a few days because everything seems fine. I wake up the next day, Friday morning at three in the morning. My mouth is throbbing, dying of pain. So I call the dentist. He goes, you know, you should probably call the, you should probably head over to the endodontist over in Santa Monica, Dr. Sato. And so I call him up that morning and head on over and I'm psyching myself up to have a root canal because I'm like ready to go. I'm, I'm terrified, but I'm thinking I can do this. So I get there and again, tests. So he does an x-ray, doesn't see anything. And then when, I guess when there's a root canal that you're, I've never had one before, but so he's doing all these tests to determine which tooth I need to have the root canal on. Because even if you feel pain from one tooth, the issue could actually be coming from another tooth in your mouth. He does these tests, does like, I'm supposed to bite down on something. And then he does a cold and a hot test. And he's tapping on my teeth with this metal tool of some sort. And nothing definitively was revealed to him to make him feel as though I should have a root canal, despite the fact that I was throbbing in pain. He basically said, I, I'm not going to perform this procedure because I'm not 100% sure that you even need one. So it was very frustrating. I was ready to go. I was basically saying, are you sure I'm here? I want to have the root canal. So the, the way this all sort of resolved is he goes, no. So give it a few days. It's either going to get worse, and then I know for sure that you need to have a root canal, or it's going to settle down, take some Advil. Good news, the pain isn't completely gone, but it has settled down. Thank God for Advil. If Advil was a sponsor, I'd be very happy to say that Advil has worked very well the last few days. So there we go. I appreciate you listening. Make sure you follow Stevie on Instagram. It's Stevie Findor. You can also take her class in Beverly Hills at Aloe Yoga. And if you dig the show, please share it with friends. Head over to iTunes, write a review. You can support the show directly by visiting my Patreon, which is patreon.com backslash Eddie Cohn. And as always, truly appreciate you. I know, there's, I know there's so many podcasts out there that you could be listening to, but you're listening to mine. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Hope you dig the conversation with Stevie Findor. And as always, thanks for being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral podcast. first podcast you're breaking my podcast cherry go. Not, i don't know if you want headphones some people can't stand listening to their own voice and it's like and they end up talking really quietly really yeah i think i talk loudly maybe i'll put them on though it's fine it's funny i feel like i i like to europeanize words 
when I was talking to Calvin a couple days ago, uh-huh. and I was like, oh, I'm having Stevie um, Finadore on the show. Oh, no, everyone makes me Italian. Okay. Everyone, it's just... So I'm not the only one. No, you're actually like, yeah, you're one of many. If people get my last name right, I'm actually like baffled. Right. I'm like, oh, wow. You know, <laughs> it's like I've known you for my life. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, no, it's just, it's really... It's just it's, boring, then. It's really boring. Just it's fine door. <laughs> So many bad jokes. <laughs> Got a bunch of fine doors and good windows. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. He's like, uh, no, Eddie, relax. It's just fine door. Calvin's like, no, it's much more boring. <laughs> Don't glorify her like yeah. that. <laughs> I know. I wanted to make She's it. She's not sad. as cool. <laughs> well, I'm really happy you're here. Me too. I'm really because excited. I haven't been to therapy in about like a couple years and I'm feeling actually really anxious right now. Why? I've got. I have a toothache. Oh no! And I, my brain instantly goes to like root canal. I'm gonna die. Worst thing in the world. And I read on Instagram that you know you have like anxiety stuff. Oh yeah. So I, instead of talking about like you for the next hour, we're just <laughs> gonna talk about my anxiety about my tooth. No, but what's the deal? Like, I just instantly go to that worst case scenario sometimes actually i mean i i'm notorious for doing that i feel like it's like that cliche dream of everyone who has like the dream of their teeth falling out yeah yeah (laughs) and it's funny well i've like lived that my teeth have fallen out so it's so funny when i hear people have anxiety about teeth i'm like oh no you're fine wait what do you mean i have fun fact about me i have eight fake front teeth yeah this is so weird oh yeah all eight of these bad boys are fake no um, way. I knocked out my teeth. Love this part. Um, pogo sticking. Okay. <laughs> knocked four of them out clean. Root and all. Just shot through the roof of my mouth. Wow. And then um, last year I had surgeries all year long, one a month, and I got my implants in. I've had multiple root canals, the whole shebang. My mouth is like a 70-year-old. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Were you like, I, that would freak me out. Like, I, I haven't had any root canals yet, but I keep hearing horror stories about them and they're just terrible. Oh, they're not that bad. Those are not. a breeze. Getting your wisdom teeth out, it's a breeze. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. You're like, you're such a wuss. Light, light at the end of the tunnel. It's not so bad. Okay. I don't know. I just always go to that sort of place, health, like anything health related. Oh, if Same. I, if I have like an ache or something, I instantly think, oh, I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm dying. You should hear the phone calls between me and my mom. I'm like, I have a stomach ache. This means I'm dying. Yeah. And she's like, can you just chill for a day? Right, right, right. <laughs> so yeah. what, like for me, when I was, first of all, my parents are completely, they're not going to be, they're not going to be mad at me. They're hypochondriacs, like to the worst degree. Uh-huh. So I've taken that on. And then I was really sick as a kid, so I think when you get sick, or I, I instantly that'll never leave me. So whenever I get a cold, I instantly think the worst. So yeah. I'm such a germaphobe now. <laughs> I've just taken on all this great stuff. So yeah, thanks, mom um, and dad. Yeah, right. I know it's awesome. <laughs> what givers? <laughs> so I mean, do you remember like when you became worried, or I don't know? It's just I think. Uh, you know, I think just through everything I've done in life, I put a lot of stress on myself because I'm really critical um, and a perfectionist. And I think kind of what comes with that is anxiety because it's I get like performance anxiety when I was younger because I was a ballerina when I was younger. So I'd put a lot of stress and pressure on myself and then I'd get anxious because of that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just 
transformed as turning into an adult through all the experiences and crap that we all deal with. But I think it, st- it started quite young, to be honest. Yeah, I was quite the worry ward. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, was it, did you notice, were your parents like that way? No. Oh, no. My parents are, I love my parents. They're hippies. Like, they're so chilled out. Like, my mom's a total badass. My dad is just, they're all just cool, calm, and collected little hippies, like stoners still. Like, it's amazing. So, (laughs) I don't, and maybe, and like, I've started, I started smoking weed, obviously, you know, and we live in California, and that helps with my anxiety a lot. Okay. It's great. You know, at night when you lay down in bed and your mind is just running, um, you know, it calms you down. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know where I got it from, and I don't know if it's I picked it up through, like, kind of the pressures of society because hmm. we're all anxious, high, strong stress, especially in big cities like LA like this. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> That's why it's great to have cats. <laughs> they help a lot with anxiety. Yeah. Are you okay that you were only like looking at me with one eye? Is that weird? No, it's kind of exciting. It's I'm cool. like really working on my left eye strength. <laughs> You're like a pirate right now. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't, I think maybe part of it was there is this sort of competitive culture, I feel like, around ballet and dance. Mm-hmm. And I forgot that movie with Natalie Portman. Uh, Black Swan. Black Swan. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think because I had Nicole on the show who teaches over Playlist. And there was sort of this very pressurized where everything has to be like lined up and get everything done, do go as fast as you can. And, and yeah. I don't know. And it's interesting that your parents are just the opposite way. Oh, so. I know. I like grew, I mean, I grew up really structured. My parents made sure I had my shit together, but through ballet is where I got just like freaking ridiculed. It was so structured and it was, you are a perfectionist and you get with the program or frankly, you get out and you get kind of left behind. So I picked that up really young and it's just a lot of pressure on yourself when you're young, you want to perform the best, you want to be the best and coming with that becomes the way that you look and all of the crap with that. Yeah, so I think it definitely probably rooted from my ballet and my dance career as a young kid. I think my show sort of has, as one of my cats just is really wanting to break or rip this cord and the whole recording is going to go away. I became interested with social media and I'm a yoga teacher and I think, and I just read an article in the New York Times that came out today about people are paying more attention in curating their sort of fake life, their alter ego on social media, as opposed to sort of their real life problems. You know, you're obviously attractive on the outside. I don't know you personally really yet very well, but one would assume that you wouldn't struggle as much with sort of those confidence issues or what people think about you. But I think, I think we all do. Oh yeah. I think it's the exact opposite. I think the people, especially from being in ballet, in the modeling industry, in being, I was a model in New York and I was surrounded just by all these stunning women. (laughs) They were just babes on babes. And the people who are the most beautiful outside usually have the hardest time internally and they struggle the freaking most. I mean, even myself included. I mean, girls are just 
we're so hard on ourselves, constantly comparing, constant competition. You kind of just like blase, brush it over and keep on moving, but you're not really addressing the problems. Right. And that's what this whole Instagram era is, is just brushing it over and curating this perfect feed yeah, and not really addressing the real crap that's going on in your life. Yeah, and it feels as though, I almost feel like what perpetuates it is if people are feeling bad about themselves, they'll go to Instagram and post a pretty picture and then they get the likes and then they feel better, but there's really nothing... It's not the same as going to therapy or, you know, calling a friend on the phone. Yeah. It doesn't have that lasting power. It's empty validation. Yeah. That's all it is. It's just this quick one. It's so, it's a reflection of our society today. It's this tangible, quick, at your fingers kind of satisfaction. And that's what happens when you post on Instagram. You post a pretty selfie, you post a hot whatever And it's instant satisfaction. Yeah. And instead of doing the hard work, which is never really the cute shit, (laughs) let's be real. Yeah. And it's not on the highlight reel usually, um, doesn't make the feed, but that's the stuff that lasts and that's the stuff that continues to build and change and grow in every aspect of your life. And it starts changing everything for the better and guiding you towards whatever it is you want out of life or who you want to be or what that looks like to you. I'm no, I want to, I want to backtrack, but, but just a couple more things I'm thinking about. I'm sure people reached out to you to use Instagram to promote products and I'm sure you have to use it. Yeah, I use, I mean, I get paid to post yeah. for sure, but for me, I'm also, I, I just, I had a mentor and she used to tell me, you need to post every day to keep engagement, da, 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 da. And I just always felt like so unaligned with that. I was just like, no, I don't feel like posting today. Like, it's just fucking crap I'm putting out there. It's nothing right. genuine or authentic. There's nothing really within it. I tried it that way for a while and I was just like, meh, it's not working. And then I started doing it my way and it started truly like picking up and everything. And so I started just taking that on for everything with Instagram. So I only post or do partnerships or do paid posts with companies and brands and products that I like really feel one that are good. And then two that I feel aligned with. Cause I mean, I've gotten sent products and I'm just like, hmm, what is this? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Anyone want it? Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's an interesting world within that yeah, but little it's, gram. But it's cool that I feel like you seem to have navigated in a way that makes you feel okay with using it. Yeah. And I, and at first I think I got a lot of when I called out Instagram or, or, or I was curious and I still am about the impact because I think as an artist, as a yoga teacher, as a small business owner, it's really important to use it. I still believe that, especially when there's philosophers and even minimalists that I read and pay attention to that still use it to promote their new podcast Yeah, I agree. or a new book. Mm-hmm. But I think it's, there's this tipping point where there's balance. Yeah. And I feel like as long as it's mirroring your life, I'm okay. Yeah. But it's, I feel like more people that are under the age of 20, it's taking over their life. Oh gosh. It's crazy. It's so insane. <laughs> I mean, what's with like, see, see, I mean, seeing it take over people's lives, like kind of breaks my heart to be honest. Um, 
I'm the person I used to be really obsessed with it. Like if you looked at my activity on Instagram, it was like five hours. It was, it was bad. Really? Oh God, not <laughs> proud. Uh, <laughs> but I like found the little, like you could put time limits on your phone and everything. And I, I mean, all of my social stuff shuts off after two hours and that's it. That's all she wrote. Yeah. And like, same, same thing at night, like, you know, emails shuts off at 6 PM. That's it. Like didn't get it done. That's it. Like get over it, you know, because that's just for me. I like, that's why I teach yoga. I like the real life connection. I like to be home with my boyfriend and have the real life connection and not be on my phone getting this empty validation. And I know there are some people out there who feel that they like truly have connections with people out there. And I've met people that follow me out of Instagram that I've never known in my life. And it's amazing to meet them, but I also don't care to spend and put a lot of energy into that because I'd rather do that with the people that I'm physically with. Yeah. And I think it's the balancing act of that, which is really hard. The people who are younger now, oh God. Yeah. It's just, you drive around LA and you just see people glued to their phones in their cars walking. And it's just, when you take a step back out of it, you just look at everyone and you're like, holy shit, they look stupid. Yeah, that's I mean, and it's the hard truth for me. And that's how I feel. And I see that and I'm like, well, I can never look like that. No way. That's not how I want to be perceived as a phone. (laughs) Yeah. And I I feel like it's sort of just it's this living, breathing thing Uh that's hijacked our ability to think clearly. Mm -hmm. And I'm certainly not immune to its powers. But I think similarly to you, we all go through that place or stage where, and again, I, I think it's a combination of stuff. Becoming a yoga teacher, writing a book, being a creator, having my own issues with tech. I think these are important discussions. And again, when it's, it's complicated. Yeah. And I understand if you're getting paid, and similarly to Calvin, I know he and I are friends. This isn't about, oh, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. I don't really believe that. No, I agree. There's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. As long as you're not harming yourself and your livelihood and able to still be authentic, genuine, think independently and not based off of, well, so-and-so does this on Instagram and likes this, so I'm going to like this. But that's important. That's what's to me the the com- where the conflict has cre- has been created. I and I get that you know you use it and I use it and Calvin uses it and in a way we have to now. But that whole concept of thinking for ourselves, mm-hmm. I don't know if we really, you know, back in the day. I mean, I don't know how old you are, but <laughs> I lived in a day when the only quote unquote influencers were my teachers, my mom and my dad, maybe different strokes and the Cosby show and family ties like, and the newspaper. But that's why I think, I mean, why should somebody care what people had for dinner? And why should people care that they just went to get a massage? But all of those things do, I really believe influence. Yeah, they do. I I don't know. So it's, it's, I, I like that you're aware of it. Yeah. And seemingly more careful as to what you're posting. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's the biggest and greatest balancing (laughs) act in our time 
which is so dumb to say like, yeah. oh, I'm really working on my Instagram and all that kind of balancing act when it should be focused on other things. But it's a useful tool at the end of the day. If you break it all down and strip all the crap down, it's still pretty useful and it reaches people that I wouldn't have never met and some people that don't come to my classes or so on and so forth. So if you strip it down to just the basics of what Instagram is, I think it's useful and I think that's where you're able to just treat it as a business tool. It's like a LinkedIn for me. I saw Chicago. Oh, yeah. Area code. Oh, yeah. That's me. (laughs) So, yeah, I kind of got that sense a little bit because you didn't, I didn't feel like you were an LA person. No. um, I was born and raised in, well, this is like anyone who's listening to this and it's from Chicago. I'm not from Chicago. I'm from the suburbs. Okay. That's okay. (laughs) It's like a classic. Like if you, anyone is like, oh, I'm from Chicago and you're actually from there. You're like, no, wait, really though. And then you'll say some random suburb. So I grew up in this smaller town called Lake Zurich, went to school there, born and raised. Uh, I left there when I was 16. I had enough credits. I graduated early and I went to New York and I was modeling and living in New York. Why? So your, your thing, did you know kind of then that you wanted to get into modeling? No, no, I fell into it. I, um, I was a dancer from, it was two... a pogo stick accident again. <laughs> pogo sticks. If you have pogo sticks, please throw them away. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I was a dancer. I started dancing when I was two years old and I was in a company and I was doing that whole dance. And, um, I did that until I was 15 and the company I was in was just kind of going through a bunch of drama and I pulled away from it. And, Everyone had told me, because I'm just a gigantor, I'm 5'10", so everyone's like, you should model. So I walked into an agency for like an open call and just gave it a go, and I got signed. So I started working, and then I started booking jobs in New York a lot. And so I was kind of doing independent studies through high school, teaching myself while traveling to New York and doing jobs. And it was just getting overwhelming, because I was yeah, just... I, yeah, I was like a freaking world traveler at 15. And so I figured it out with my school and my parents and I had enough credits to graduate early. And so I did that and I packed up my bags and I went to New York alone when I was, I just had turned 17. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I didn't go to college. I always tell people New York was like my college. It was adulting really quick because New York, you either get with the program or get the F out. Like it's super hardcore there. It's super gnarly. Yeah. Did that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I can see why you're sometimes put a lot of pressure on yourself. Oh, yeah. I mean, we just, <laughs> we just figured it out. You've, you've known it for years. Oh, yeah. I've yeah. been in it for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So I did all that, and it was, it was amazing. You know, I mean, New York was like some of the hardest times of my life because I'm from Chicago. I'm from a smaller town. I'm from suburbia. I don't, I don't know New York. And so I went there and, you know, I went through the whole dance of like partying as a model and jetting around. And then um, I got really homesick and I got really depressed, had the worst anxiety problems and panic attacks and gained a bunch of weight because I was ordering cheese fries to my apartment literally every day. And so then um, I got my agency dropped me because I gained weight and that's how life is. More more anxiety, more pressure. Got a trainer and like was just doing these gnarly like diet plans. Like they put me on this one diet plan and it was, you had one 
egg white, two egg whites in the morning with five cherry tomatoes for breakfast and like, <laughs> ch- like low sodium chicken broth for lunch, one cup. Same thing for just, just might as well tell me not to eat. Right. Yeah, exactly. Here's why. Just hydrate. (laughs) (laughs) Drink a Gatorade. Um, So I did that and that was just, again, so gnarly going through that at at such a young age. How old Um, were you at this point? I was like 18-ish. Oh, wow. Um, Yeah. I was still really young and then got a waitressing job picked up another agency and kind of played that dance for a while. And then I went to Coachella, (laughs) classic. Right. Uh, Went to Coachella five years ago now and fell in love with California and flew back to New York and decided I was leaving, packed up my apartment and left and went to New York or to California. Yeah. And I've been here since. Well, it's, this is a big secret. I don't want people to know this. But L.A. is so much better than New York. Oh, my God. I know. Someone's got to say it. I know. It's oh, so much easier to live out here than it is so in New much, York. Oh, You know what? And I'm, I love nature. I need space as well. Right. I need to see trees. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much healthier for you. It's so much better. I love when New Yorkers are like, that's where people go when they're like weak. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, whatever. That's I'm what like, we... whatever makes you feel good inside. Right. Yeah. I'm going to stay stressed <laughs> out and lose like 10 years of my life. Yeah. I'm like, no, man. <laughs> yeah. And then the five months. Yeah. yeah. What is interesting though about New York where you really, you know, about the tech craze. Oh, yeah. Because it's a walking city. And you kind of sense it a little bit when you're on like the Venice boardwalk, but Mm -hmm. wow. Um, And I'm actually going there in a couple of weeks for my dad's birthday. We're going to Cleveland and then we always fly up to New York just for a few days because it's fun. It's fun to go as a a tourist. Yeah, of course. But wow, talk about everybody just staring down, walking into like poles and things. That happens all the time. I know. Oh, and then whenever I go to Equinox, Mm -hmm. because the hotel we stay at, you get a free, you get free day pass at the Equinox across the street. Amazing. People are stare, on their backs doing ab work, staring at their, staring at their phone. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. And it's funny, though, because when you have the perspective that we have, you see that stuff, and it just looks so silly. It's yeah. so silly. And then like you find yourself kind of caught. We all have those moments where you're just uh, glued to your phone. You know. Yeah. I always am glued to my phone, and I like put it down, and I just start laughing. I'm like, you idiot. Yeah, <laughs> like, go on. Get a grip. Yes. Totally. <laughs> yeah. It's that city. Yeah, New York is, they're just heads down. Yeah. It's crazy. I think it's incredible that you were able to get out. Yeah. Because it feels as though it was, I mean, I'm kind of curious though about like, how did you become interested in fitness? And was it that trainer in New York or, or, because you, you were gaining weight and then you didn't, you were probably not really into the modeling thing anymore or just it wasn't coming easily or yeah but then something happened where you're obviously wanting to take care of your body and your health because you're obviously in great shape and now you're teaching all these health classes so was health sort of something that you were always interested in or because of sort of that chaotic lifestyle or did you somehow have the awareness at a young age to think of to yourself i have to take care of myself yeah i i mean my family and i so my mom's diabetic so we as a family would go to the YMCA together in Illinois. And that was always our jam. We always did that. So it's kind of like always this underlying thing in my life that I always just always worked out a little bit. Yeah. And then when 
I've had really bad depression in New York. I found um, Bikram yoga. Hmm. I loved it because it's super strict like ballet. So I fell in love with that. And I'll tell everyone to this day, like yoga saved my life, like so many other people. And so I found yoga and then just being a model, your second job is essentially working out. So I learned so much just through training to stay in shape or get back into shape. I fell in love with yoga so much so that when I came to LA, I um, did the dance of still modeling a little bit. And I had at this point pretty much been on the fence and constantly thinking about, should I just pull the plug and go get certified for yoga? And in 2016, going into 2017, I was in Hawaii and a girlfriend was like, I think I'm going to do this training. We're showing me about it. And I was like, let's do it. Let's sign up. And of course I signed up. She didn't. She right. missed the boat. <laughs> yeah. And three months later I went to Bali and I got certified. And then so the rest you did your was, training in Bali. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It was really awesome. Fitness and health truly like saved me and got me out of a very kind of self-destructive industry because the modeling industry back then it's changed so much now it's really awesome there's so much um different body shapes which is incredible i'm stoked on that um but when i was in it it was like you're this size this height these measurements that's it there's no ifs ands or buts and if you're not that you don't book jobs so i think Getting into the fitness world changed and saved me because I was like, I can't live like that anymore. It's not healthy. And probably until up until six months ago, I still really struggled with like, it's okay to put a couple pounds on. It's okay to get a little muscular Yeah. because I've just always been wired since ballet and since modeling, get thin. Anything I think that happens when we're young stays with us and it's it feels like it's magnified a hundred percent. Yeah. You know, getting sick and me being in and out of the hospital for four or five years between the ages of like 11 and 16. I mean, that's the reason why I'm such a, um, germaphobe. Mm-hmm. And if I catch a cold, um, I'll freak out and get nervous. Sometimes I've even worn masks on airplanes if I hear like freaking people coughing all over the place because I don't want to go on a vacation yeah. for two weeks in Europe and I'm catching a cold and I know I look like a freak. Yeah. But all of these things play into it. Yeah. And I think as a young woman, as a girl in your like teenage years, if that's what you're around, mm-hmm. you're going to be really sensitive to that and obviously react to it yeah. the way that you are. Basically, growing up, all I was ever really told, which is why I'm wired the way I am is get thin and do whatever you have to, to get there type of style. So ever since, I mean, I've been certified for yoga for like just over two years now. So it's been like a two year journey of me working and myself mentally and physically being like, Hey, it's okay. Like you can go eat that burrito and the burger and you're still going to be fine. And it's, it's funny because you're just, undoing all of the bad work and the bad wiring that's been made. Yeah. And it's it, a lot of work. <laughs> take, it takes years. It takes time. Yeah, yeah, it does. And it's just being persistent and consistent, just sticking with it, yeah. one foot in front of the other. It's interesting that you responded to Bikram because I 
you know, I did, maybe just, we all go through different phases because I got into yoga starting out with Iyengar and I did Mm. like that structure to it. But now I like the flow, fun, music playing. Yeah. Cause I, it somehow helps me get out of my head. Yeah. And I just like, I just want to have fun. Same. Yeah. And I sensed that when I took your class. Yeah. That, I mean, I love being able to hear Led Zeppelin. <laughs> in this weird sort of way, I've only heard Ramble On in Vinnie Marino's class. Yeah. And I felt Classic. like... Classic. <laughs> no, but I felt like you sort of, sort of, you're completely different. <laughs> but I don't think a lot of teachers can pull off that song and play it in class. Mm-hmm. And you did. And it was really cool to hear. Yeah. I'm just wondering, are you, do you, for two things, are you thinking about people being intimidated by you and your looks when they come to your take your, take your class? And then number two, what do you want to bring to the table as a yoga teacher? What, what are you hoping people get to experience? I mean, I know people can be intimidated by my looks. Um, I used to teach boxing um, at Box Union. for I did it for like just under a year. And my boss there, I remember, this is some of the best advice, and it sticks with me every time I teach now. And she's like, you need to make yourself so relatable and so raw and vulnerable because people are going to walk in and judge you off of your looks and the way that you are seen just just that alone before even getting to know you before hearing a word out of your mouth they're going to judge you i i mean i like i like to think i'm really relatable and i'm just like your goofy girl next door <laughs> right um and so i really pride myself in that so hearing that i was like oh I didn't realize that that was a thing. Like, I'm so unaware of it. And so that's changed the way I teach a lot, just as far as introducing myself and being really warm and welcoming to people coming into my classes. And as far as it comes to the experience when you're in my class, I just want people to get outside their heads and just take a moment to unplug and just be right there and kind of forget that you're unplugged and you're outside of your head taking all the energy that we have inside that's kind of pent up um, that makes us anxious and stressed or whatever it is and exerting it out and moving so much that you take all that out. By the time you get to the Shavasana, you're actually able to be still and be okay with being still. Cause there's, I mean, I remember when I first started doing Shavasanas in classes and I was just like, do 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 is it over yet? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's okay. It's just, I want people to be okay with like that stillness and the silence when it does come. Cause it happens in your practice, in real life, everywhere. How did Alo Yoga get a hold of you? And, and by the way, the space, you know, I've, I've softened my stance in the sense that, you know, we talk about, people judging you based on your looks before you even meet them. I do think Instagram has created a world where the visual is by far the most powerful sense now. Yeah. Like it's just taken over the world. And I talked to Calvin about this, like the first time I had him on the show and even Harper, mm-hmm. who I'm friends with, you know, yoga to me is supposed to be about connecting to your reality. Yeah, it's your, yourself. Yeah. It's so personal. It is. So it's like, we're just these bodies guiding you. Right. We, we really have nothing to do with it. <laughs> it's, yeah, totally. <laughs> I think I had struggles when I saw, though, not just Aloe, a lot of the clothing yoga apparel companies doing nothing but posting a lot of 
perfectly filtered, beautiful shots from around the world and poses that maybe 1% of the population could do. I don't know if I got the sense that it could potentially be irresponsible. And I even remember reading a story a few weeks ago where this woman fell off a balcony. Uh, Yeah, it was ridiculous. And so, I mean, I I have mixed feelings. I don't know what the happy medium is. Yeah. Are you thinking about all of that when you post and when Aloe reached out to you? Because the, the space in Beverly Hills is beautiful. It's their, stunning. Their clothes are great. If somebody, if they asked me to teach there, I I would consider it. Yeah. Because it's a great space. Yeah. So tell me a bit about, I guess it's sort of a double question, but did you have any qualms about working with Aloe? Or do you think about all of that when you're posting and teaching and sort of what you want to represent? So, I mean, Aloe is like, Aloe is my dream. That's my dream job. When I, I mean, I'm only, I've only been teaching for two years. And when I first started teaching, mind you, I started teaching at LA Fitness. So like started from the bottom. (laughs) And Aloe was like a five-year goal of mine. And I hit that really quickly. Um, They found me because at Box Union, I um, started teaching this boxing and yoga class. So it was nice little yin and yang mix. And so I did a couple pop-ups at Aloe. Then I got on schedule. And it had always been my dream. And I love Aloe. I love what they represent. But like at the end of the day, especially with yoga on Instagram, there's so many of these absurd. I call them tricks. They look like tricks. They're not real poses typically. And they're so absurd. I'm a big fan of showing poses that are attainable to everyone because I think of like my mom that's always who I go back to like we're from middle of America Illinois originally and I think like okay my mom could probably like ego pose would be like gnarly for my mom but like she could do it you know with practice she can attain that and achieve that and I've always been similar to Calvin like back to the basics kind of and I think that Yoga needs to find that balance on Instagram because it's gotten to be so ridiculous. And it's at this point in time, I think it's quite redundant seeing, look at me doing a handstand with someone on top of my left pinky toe off of the cliff. Like, I'm just like, cool, bro, whatever. Like, next, you know, like I want some more substance out of it. I think it's there's a lack of substance when it comes to those kind of postings. I I try to achieve something that's just back to the basics and something that's achievable for everyone because I think that's when you feel freaking good, when you're successful. Even if it takes a little while and you need a little practice, you get it, though, eventually. What's crazy is that I tore my meniscus in my right knee about 10 months ago. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's it's not like tearing your ACL or something. It's actually one of the most common injuries but I haven't been able to do pigeon or child's pose mm-hmm. because I just can't get that deep extension in my knee. Yeah. But until the last two months, it's and I haven't been able to do eagle pose. I have fine. So for the last two months, it's finally getting better. Yeah. And it's been a, such a relief. Yeah. I've actually taught eagle pose for the first time yesterday yes. in like over a year. That and I was so, so excited. And it's like, I know people were probably thinking, what, why is this guy so excited to eat yeah. eagle pose? And I kind of gave him a little bit of a story, but I didn't, want to, I didn't want him to make it about me. Yeah. But I think similarly to how you're thinking and Calvin, I, and I realized the handstand 
thing on Instagram isn't as prevalent per se as it was two years ago. Yeah. But I do think that brainwashed and rewired people's impressions of, of yoga. And I do think we're still dealing with that. Yeah. Because there is this cultural obsession with what can I do to look better than the person next to me? And when I saw, I mean, I actually used to follow like 30 yoga teachers. I think I follow like four now. Same. I I had to stop following them because to me, it wasn't doing anything to make my life feel better or worthy or worthy, I think. Yeah, I agree. I remember... I rem- I used to follow you know all of- when you first start getting into yeah. yoga you follow you follow yoga inspiration yes. and all those and I remember I used to f- like feel worse because I'd be like <laughs> I can't do that yeah and I'll never forget this I would tell my mom I go I need to learn how to do a handstand otherwise Aloe won't hire me wow and I remember always having these thoughts. And it's so funny. I still cannot do a handstand for everyone's information. <laughs> Actually, you need to leave right now. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> um, I do a strong headstand, and that's about it, and a good crow pose. <laughs> right, okay. But, like, I mean, it's it's not about that. And, like, I always go back to yoga is so personal. It's what you want out of it, and it's the goals that you want to set, and it's what feels good in your body and what your body's craving and needs, and it's giving it that. So yeah. essentially doing a handstand, if that's not what your jam is and not what you want, then freaking forget about it. Yeah. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, did you have any sense like, what the podcast was sort of about? Or? I mean, I listened to a couple of the episodes. Okay, um, so the fact that you're here means that you didn't think that I was insane or no. anything like that. Well, I also remember, I remember seeing you in class at Yoga Works a few times. Oh, um, interesting. Yeah, so you're like a familiar face and everything. Okay, yeah. so you knew I wasn't just some weirdo. No, 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 no. I mean, you go to Yoga Works, you're not a weirdo. <laughs> right. Just well, a part of, you're a part of the cult. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of weirdos. <laughs> Um, oh, this is interesting. And then I'll ask a couple more things about California yoga, and then I'll let you go because I know um, time is limited. But I actually was going to yoga every day. And I saw that stupid hashtag like three years ago, yoga every damn day. Yeah. Like there's some glory Ugh. about going to yoga every day. Mm-hmm. And I realized I was actually going to class a couple times a day. So no wonder you probably saw me at Yoga yeah. Works because I was going like five times a You're fucking religious. day. I was pathetic. <laughs> so... I remember not going once because something else was more important, thank God. <laughs> or, I mean, jeez. And, well, and I think this is the thing. You know, I, had, I fucked up my neck. I pulled a nerve in my neck like five years ago, and that brought me back to yoga. And it helped a lot. Uh-huh. But I became so, I think, addicted to it. Mm-hmm. And I realized, oh, and this, is, this was the tipping point. Then I started teaching. So I was teaching yoga three, four times a week. I was going to yoga five, six times a week. I was fucking out of my mind doing way too much yoga. Oh, yeah. And I felt the best in my life doing yoga twice a week, swimming twice a week, and going to like hit classes twice a week. Yeah. Like to me, that feels fantastic in my body. Yeah. So what's your, clearly you're in shape, what's sort of your routine or, you know, what's your weekly exercise regimen? Any suggestions? What do you feel is most important for you? 
You know, I do a lot of strength training at the moment right now. I'm like not the best. Like, I mean, if you think of a yogi, you're like, wow, they're same thing. They're in yoga every day. You know, definitely not. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I try. It, it's a good week if I hit two classes. I always try to hit one class because my body usually just starts craving it. And I'm like, oh, God, I need to move. I stretch a lot at home as well. Like in the morning, wake up, stretch a little bit. Same thing at night. Um, but I do once a week, I do kickboxing and it's the hardest workout of my life, this guy. So he used to teach with me at Box Union. His name's Aaron. And he he has mastered this class so well. It's 45 minutes and I work out a lot Mm -hmm. and I feel like I want to throw up and put me on a stretcher and take me to the freaking hospital. It's the best feeling of my life though. So I always do that once a week just because I just love torturing myself. Right. Where is this place? He, so he's opening his own spot in um, Mar Vista, but okay. right now he's doing little pop-up classes at Got 34 it. North. Okay. But I do that once a week, yoga once a week, and then I um, hit the gym twice a week-ish, depending on my schedule and what my life is like at the moment. I try to hit 10,000 steps a day. I love biking and love hiking. So I just try to plug all those in when I can. I'm pretty relaxed on my schedule. I used to be really hardcore about it, really strict. But since I've gotten a little bit busier, I've just learned to be like, okay, you're not going to work out today. Like the world still is round and it's 3D and like everything's okay. Like you're not going to just die. Um, So yeah, I mean this, I mean, specifically this week, I haven't worked out in like three days. So I've noticed once I started teaching yoga, I felt as though I needed to be really aware of taking care of my body and knowing when to rest work. Like resting is so important. Holy hell. Because it is a lot of work to teach. Mm -hmm. And like, what's your schedule? Um, I teach 10 public classes and then I usually have three to four clients a day. So I'm teaching a lot. I'm That's a lot. In, yeah, I'm moving and grooving. And then I do the, the Instagram bullshit. Right. So it's a lot of admin work that I'm doing on my computer and a lot of selfies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm moving and grooving a lot. Um, when I teach yoga sculpt too. So if I don't work out in a day and I know I'm teaching yoga sculpt, I'm like, whatever. That's good enough for me. I'm going to break a sweat during that. But like, same thing as you. When I started teaching yoga, I really freaking love that I fell in love with taking care of myself because there's it's a big thing when you come to realize to take a rest and take a break and that it's needed sometimes and your body actually responds to workouts better when you do take a break but it's also getting to that point because if uh, if you're like me and I'm a workout freak um (laughs) I don't like rest days I'm really antsy yeah so but the rest days are important so yeah yeah it's intense. <laughs> it is. It's uh, nonstop. It's nonstop. Like, what's your goal here? Uh, I mean, did you go to Bali to become a teacher or not? Was that your goal or did you just do it because you wanted the experience and because you liked yoga? And then what it's like three, four years from now, I mean, what's, what are you hoping to build here? I went in for the intention of teaching. Okay. Um, I loved it so much and like I, it saved my life and I told myself if I can try to give that same experience, it'll, it'll help someone in some certain way and I hope it helps more than one person, um, even if it's just, hey, that made my day feel a lot better. And so I went with the intention to teach 
I'm funny. I've, I've just kind of like regrouped everything and my goals recently. Um, I'm currently doing this like online course with University of Michigan studying kinesiology and just diving a little bit deeper into all of that. So I'm doing that. And then my goals, I, I mean, I want to find the longevity in this and but also something different. Everyone's putting out eBooks. Everyone's putting mm. out programs, and everyone's on freaking Yoga Glow or whatever the freaking right. all the apps are. And I'm trying to find and navigate my way through that where it's something different. Um, I really love teaching privately a lot, and my goal right now is I really want to start teaching the pro athletes, and I want to teach them yoga and mobility and all of that. Because I have my ballet background, I have the yoga background, and like most of my clients are guys, most of them have sciatic nerve problems. Right. So I've just loved doing that, and I, that's my goal right now is just to dive into that. Well, I think it's really challenging to navigate being a yoga teacher out oh, here. There's millions of us. Yeah. Millions. I have no advice to give other yoga teachers, because I'm still trying to figure it out. Oh, aren't we all? Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I, yeah. It's, I always just tell people, you know, if it feels good and you're passionate about it and it sets your soul on fire, as cliche as that sounds, fucking do it and then do it so much so that you get really good at it and that that will organically evolve into something else and just go with the flow from there and just keep setting goals and hitting them. And it's, it sounds really stupid and basic and like a freaking Pinterest motivational quote, (laughs) but it's really the truth. Cause I mean, I definitely have those days where I like literally call my mom and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm fucking doing. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this is the right career I've chose. <laughs> right. But, you know, just stick to your guns and know what you want and not be afraid to ask for it as well. Yeah. I think people are scared to ask for help because then you look weak. Yeah. Which is... It's so lame. It's silly. It's so lame. We're all in it together. Yeah. Like, we really are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think the last thing I'm curious about, I think it's a big deal, at least it was for me, to just pick up and move to L.A. Mm. Did you, was that freaky for you? Or did you have sort of people out here that you already knew? And Yeah, I didn't know anyone out here. It was really weird. But I loved the city so much. And I knew, like, I was coming here. I had an agency. So I was like, ah, I'll figure out. I'll find model friends at the very least. Um which is kind of how that all transpired. And I had the friends from my agency and from jobs. And, you know, honestly, I don't love hanging out with models. You know, it took me a long time, though, to find, like, a really good friend group here. And I always tell people, for some reason, this is, like, it might be everywhere else, but, like, in L.A., it takes time to find your people. And so when people are new and move here, I'm like, give yourself three years. <laughs> I'm like, promise me. Yeah. And I'm like, seriously, like you're going to go through different friend groups. It's going to change. It's going to evolve. And it's going to feel really weird because it's going to feel like a breakup when the friend group changes and change and evolves, but you'll find your people eventually. Cause there's so many of us here, right? There's so many different pockets, but yeah, moving here was, I don't think I really was scared. I'm kind of like a balls to the walls girl yeah. where I'm just like, YOLO, let's do it. I'm still saying YOLO. Like <laughs> I will carry that trend until I die. My mom will be like, what are you doing today? And I'll be like, oh, I'm going to do something. And I'll say something ridiculous. And then she'll be like, are you kidding me? I'm like, YOLO. <laughs> She's like, 
seriously, dude. <laughs> you got to keep that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. <laughs> it's like my justification for ridiculousness. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was not scary for me, actually. Okay. Yeah. YOLO. <laughs> YOLO. That's so cool. It's my best advice for anyone listening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Stevie Finadore. No, I'm sorry. Finadore. <laughs> Stevie Findor. So you can be found at Aloe Yoga in Beverly Hills teaching there. Yep. You can find me at um, Bandier, their new flagship store on What's Melrose. Bandier? They have a bunch of different brands and then they have their brand and it's all in a store. So they have a bunch of different collaborations okay. that big brands do with them. Um, they have a new studio they just opened. Um, so I'm teaching there. I'm teaching yoga there. And I'm at Knockout in Playa del Rey. It's a nice little small studio. It's really badass. Yoga there also. Yoga sculpt, yeah. Okay. Oh, and I teach meditation in Malibu at the Mindry. Oh, cool. Yeah. What days are you there? Just Thursdays in the afternoon. Okay. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, and the rest is privates. Yeah. Inquiries for privates. Right. <laughs> and then Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? I forget. Um, it's just my name, Stevie okay. Findor. Stevie Findor. Yeah. Cool. Slide into the DMs. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy you took the time to talk. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, and this is the first time one of the cats... Just chilled. Chilled the whole time. I know. Because normally I have to kick him out. Oh, yeah. He's so happy. Yeah, he's killing it. This is awesome. Well, Stevie... Thank you so much for being a part of the Downward Facing Spiritual Spiral Podcast. I'm super stoked that you took the time. Thank you.